We are going to energize the country. Stop Brexit. No more Mr. Nice Guy. Another future is possible, but we've got to fight for it. Order. Hello and welcome to the debated podcast. As always, I'm your host, Will. And in this episode, I'm delighted to be joined by Rosemary Sexton, uh, who is a Green Party councillor for Shirley West on Solihull Metropolitan Borough Council and is standing to be uh, leader of the Green Party in England and Wales. Welcome to the podcast. Hello there. How are you doing? Great. Uh, glad to have you on. Um, so the first question uh, that I'd like to ask is, um, what made you decide uh, to stand to be leader of the Green Party? So it's something, it's an idea that I've been toying with for a little while. And I think in particular, the way I saw it is the Green Party's at a bit of a transition point. We've come a long way in the last few years. And uh, compared to where we were, even when I joined the party in 2015, um, things have moved on a lot. And we're now accepted as the, the fourth party of, of English politics. Um, and uh, we get quite a lot of uh, airtime in the media now and people are starting to recognise us um, a lot more. And that's really good. I mean, the progress is fantastic. But the way I see it is that in order to take the next step to becoming a mainstream political party and taking political power in our own right, mm. I think we need to make some changes. And I think there are some things that we need to focus on. And I wanted to really push the debate within the party uh, and to get people focusing on those things that we can and we should be doing better in order to, to be able to persuade more people to vote for us. Um, now, as you mentioned, uh, the Green Party are obviously uh, have grown both uh, in recognition and uh, supporting in the last few years. But of course, uh, the Green Party still only has uh, one uh, member of parliament. Uh, if you uh, were to become uh, leader of the Green Party in England and Wales, uh, what do you think would be uh, the best way to uh, ensure that the Greens had uh, more representatives uh, at Westminster? So I think there's three things that we need to focus on, and this has been the, the crux of my campaign, is that I think we need to focus on becoming more inclusive as a party. Um, when you look at the stereotypes that people have of the Green Party, a lot of people tell us they see us as a, a very white middle class movement for, you know, uh, vegan hippies. And they don't feel that we're speaking to them in their language. And I think that's something that we need to get better at doing. We need to uh, speak to people from all different demographics. Uh, I think our values and our principles and our policies have a really uh, wide appeal across society, but we need to get better at talking to people in their own language about the things that matter to them. Um, I think we need to get better at uh, presenting ourselves as credible opposition so that our ideas and our policies have been really well thought through and that these can be implemented so people often say well you're always opposing things but where where's your credible alternative mm. how are you going to do things differently if you're elected and i think we need to have better answers for that um, so i think that's part two is that credibility piece and then i think we also need to actually put more resources and more time and energy into elections the thing mm. we need to focus on um sort of data-driven evidence-based election strategies that are going to get us more representatives and at a local level we've started to do this now um if you see you know the growth in the number of green councillors um i mean there's 
a green wave in, in 2019 that I was part of. Um, and I think we more than doubled number of seats in those elections. So it, it's, we can see the starting to take shape. What we need to do now is to look at that on a national level and say, how do we translate this? Um, and obviously we've got a mountain to climb because in a first past the post electoral system, scale of the challenge in order just to get one more MP, never mind two, three, five, ten, and building from there, um, we've got a lot of work to do in order to make that happen. So that's something that we need to put a lot of time and energy and thought into. And we need to start right now because we can't wait until the year before an election or months before an election. That's not when you do the work. You have to do the work years in advance. Hmm. Um, now, you mentioned... Um uh, evidence-based uh, policies uh, there and uh, a friend of the podcast uh, Sebastian Cousins wanted me to ask mm. you um, whether you thought that if the Greens um, under your leadership became a more evidence-based party um, that how that would affect the way that you would campaign and how it might affect uh, the way that uh, you have alliances with other parties. I think evidence-based policy is really important and it's, an, it's actually a natural um, line for the Greens to take because we're talking about climate change and we're asking people to listen to the science and to pay attention to what the science is telling us. Hmm. And what we need to do now is just take that a step further and say, well, it's not, we don't just want to be listening to the scientists about this one thing. On everything we do, we need to listen to scientists, we need to listen to professionals, we need to listen to the expert consensus on that area. So a good example of this was um, the new Green Party drugs policy. And I've talked to one of the um, co-conveners of that policy working group. And he explained to me how they got a lot of professionals and a lot of experts in that field in order to contribute to that policy. So our new policy is actually quite radical in terms of it's very different from the situation that we currently have. Uh, it's very different from, from what's done at the moment. Um, but because there is so much expert input into it, it's also very credible. Mm. And by doing that, they were able to bring a lot of people along with them by saying, look, this is what the experts are saying. This is what the professionals say we need to do in order to make things better. And I think taking that approach um, and sort of take, being able to say to people, look, here's the problem we're trying to solve and we want to find the best way of doing that. We need to find um, what, what the evidence says mm. will help us to achieve these goals. And by doing that, um, I think that will get a lot of support from a whole range of different um, people, not just your stereotypical green voters, mm. but there are a lot of people out there who are crying out for a party who are prepared to look at the science, who are prepared to look at the evidence and will base their policies on that. Um, and I think we should be that party. Mm. Um, now, uh, today was announced that um, uh, the UK has gone into uh, uh, recession for the first time in 11 years. Uh, now, one of the things that has been argued uh, by green politicians uh, across the world has been for uh, a green new deal which would uh, help with the environmental sector and help with uh, the economy and creating uh, more jobs that are, are based in in green industries do you think that given that we are uh, in a recession uh, now and we've, we've seen the biggest loss in, uh, in gdp uh, in europe in the, in the past uh, couple of months that it's important to focus on new jobs in green industries 
Absolutely. And I mean, there's no better time to do it than, than right now. It's not only uh, are we crying out for that investment in terms of um, the uh, what we need to do to mitigate climate change and to um, hit our carbon emissions targets, but also in terms of you know where we are socially and economically, and with the um, the predicted job losses going forwards. Hmm. I mean, I've been saying this for some time that actually the scale of the um, the challenges we're facing economically haven't um, been brought home to people. At, at the moment, mm. because while the government was still putting money into the economy, um, it was easy to sort of gloss over that. I think we're now starting to see, you know, the the immense challenges we're going to face going forward. And that's really going to hit a lot of people hard. It's going to exacerbate the impact of inequality. I mean, health inequality is something that I I look at a lot. Um, mm. My portfolio here in Solihull is health and adult social care. So that's something that I'm considering. And I know that in Solihull, we have a 12-year life expectancy gap between different wards in the same borough, mm. which gives you an idea of the scale of the problem. Um, that's mirrored across the whole of the country. That was before coronavirus. And all of the expert um, advice and data suggests that that's going to get worse unless we really focus on how to stop that so I think anything that we can do in order to to mitigate those economic consequences is uh, going to be absolutely vital right now so now is the perfect time for for that Green New Deal and I would love to see that or something very like it going forwards and I think we should be pushing for that very strongly. Mm. Um, To what extent do you think people are changing their mind about the environment and the extent of climate change because uh, of course we're seeing year on year uh, summers in Britain getting warmer and warmer and warmer and, and people are uh, experiencing this firsthand. Do you think that this is making people realise the extent to which climate change is affecting their day-to-day lives? I think more and more we're seeing people um, waking up to the realities about climate change mm. and I think in a lot of cases, it's not that people weren't aware that this was a problem. It's not that people don't know about it. And it's not that people don't acknowledge it as a real threat. It's in a lot of situations, people are not sure how best they personally, on an individual level, Mm. uh, what they can do to help. And I think a lot of people feel very helpless um, about everything that's going on. And I think that can lead to a certain sort of fatalism about it. So when I talk to people about climate change, the vast, vast, vast majority of those people will acknowledge the reality of the problem and they want to do something about it. Um, but then when we start talking about potential solutions, one of the challenges the Green Party faces is that we're not perceived as providing that credible solution. So people will sometimes say, I agree with everything the Greens are saying about the, the climate and about the environment, and I, re- I really support that. I don't trust them to govern. I don't trust them to to know how to run things. You know, they've got they they're great. They say some really good things. They've got some good ideas, but when it comes to you know putting the cross in that box, you know, people yep. have second thoughts. People often will would rather go with a party they perceive as being more credible, more established, even if they aren't saying you know taking quite the same. Um, 
line on on climate change and making it their top priority. Mm. And I think that's what we need to change. You know, it's not that people don't think that climate change is real. You know, I don't think we're going to get any further by talking more about climate change because people already know that this is an issue. People already associate the Green Party with this. I think what we need to do is to present a really credible offer that allows them to say, actually, you're talking my language. Um, I trust you to implement what you're saying. And that means um, we've got to present credible policies across the board, not just on climate. Um, Mm -hmm. I think that's, that's our challenge now in order to take that next step I think that um, part of the um, perhaps perceived issues uh, with credibility that some people have with the Greens could be answered by uh, more representation in local government. Do you think that that would be a means of the the Greens demonstrating that they can uh, run something and it not having uh, problems that people might think uh, they would have? Certainly. I think that makes a really big difference. When people get used to having local green representatives and they come to know us and trust us and they understand what we're about and we're speaking their language and engaging the community, that changes perceptions. And I I use Solihull as an example of this all the time because in Solihull we're the main opposition to the Conservatives and people see and hear us talking about a whole range of issues, not just the climate, although obviously we're talking, you know, we have strong environmental policies, Mm. but we're also talking about um, education, we're talking about health, we're talking about adult social care, we're talking about, um, you know, the the issues that our residents are facing in terms of crime and antisocial behaviour. You know, so they hear us talking about all of those different issues and they get to know what we're about, um, they, rather than having this sort of stereotype or this perception from the outside of, oh, you're just a bunch of middle-class vegans, mm. um, which, again, I think that's the, that's the stereotype that we've got to shake off. It's what we really struggle with. Um, but the more people get to know us on a local level, I think that really helps. And again, when we're seen to be doing good things in the community and we can point to, we've achieved this, we've achieved that, um, and we can show people that, I think it gives them that faith that actually, yes, you're doing good things. We're happy to back you in order to, um, you know, to to run the local council uh, in order to, you know, seats at Westminster, Mm. you know, in order to, um, you know, they'll take that next step. But we've got to, trust is built starting from small things first. You've got to show people that you can be trusted with the little things before they'll trust you with the bigger things. You know, you've got to show them that you can get their bins collected on time and that you can, uh, um, you know, sort out their, um, uh, the traffic issues and you sort out the, you know, those day-to-day really local issues. Um, and that's when they'll start to look at you and say, actually, you're talking a lot of sense. Maybe we can trust you with something else as well. So I think that's, um, that's something we do very well. Um, in some areas at the moment but I think we need to do more of that and we need to expand sort of what we're capable of nationwide. Mm. Um, Now one of the things um, that you set out uh, on your website in regards to your vision is that you want to ensure that the Green Party reaches people from all backgrounds and all walks of life. Do you think that um, some of the problems in terms of representation uh, in politics aren't just to do with the Green Party but across the board? Absolutely, yes. I think politics in general, um, we really struggle to with with engagement. And 
it's something that I've become very aware of since I've been out talking to people on the doorstep, talking to people about you know the work I'm doing. There's a widespread distrust of politicians mm. in general. You know, politicians are not well liked, and for entirely understandable reasons. I think you know when I mm. sometimes when I, I I start talking to somebody, you know the first reaction I'll get is, "Oh, you're all the same." <laughs> and you know, speaking as somebody who got into politics because. I thought that as well, and I wanted to get in there and make a difference. Um, it's, it's then frustrating to have people come to you and uh, just dismiss it out of hand. Oh, you're all the same. Um, but I think getting over that and sort of getting past that initial reaction, um, that's a challenge. And what you tend to find is that the, the more challenges people have in their everyday lives, you know, the more they're worried about you know, their job, paying the rent, putting food on the table, facing discrimination, all of those challenges, the less mental energy they have to spend on politics. And I think this is one of the, the challenges we face in reaching some of those communities is that we're talking about climate change, but that can seem an awful long way off to somebody who isn't sure how they're going to put food on the table for their kids next week. Mm. You know, So this is why I keep saying, well, we've got to be talking the language of the people we want to represent and we've got to be acknowledging the the very real concerns and issues they face and understanding the position they're coming from so it's no good going out and talking to them about our priorities we've got to be speaking up for their priorities as well um, and then you know once we've built that trust then we can start to try and bring them with us but it's not something that we can we can do from the outside and this is why i'm always saying that you know it's not about just shouting louder mm. we've got to We've got to go to where people are and we've got, to, we've got to meet them where they are and bring them with us. So that's much more about listening rather than just talking. Um, now, you mentioned uh, some of the issues uh, regarding, you know, people uh, being able to uh, afford things, afford to put uh, food on the table, etc. Do you think that in terms of the way that people view politics and view the economy, that they sometimes feel that it's not something that is open to them, that it's difficult to, 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 to get a start. Absolutely. I mean, politics is something done by other people. Mm. And I mean, the number of times when, again, I, I'll hear comments from people like, oh, it's just those uh, councillors, you know, overpaid councillors on the gravy train mm. is a common one. It's like, if only you knew. Um, <laughs> but um, again, it's that perception from the outside of, you know, it being something that's done to them by other people rather than something that they can be involved in themselves. And I mean, this is something where I think the green message is really strong because we talk a lot about local democracy and the importance of local decision-making and involving the communities who are going to be most affected by those decisions. And that's something that we can really put into practice, I think. And it's something that, you know, when we uh, really get that message out there it's a popular one it's one that people agree with is that you know they but it, it means doing more than just paying lip service to consultation you know I think everyone likes to talk about public consultations these days but again the perception that people have of public consultation is oh they're just going you know they're just paying lip service to it it doesn't matter what we say because they're going to go ahead with it anyway they've already decided mm. So we need to get people involved much more at the planning stage and, you know, in coming up with ideas, not just saying, oh, we're going to do this. Is it all right with you? Um, mm. And then ignoring the answer, you know, we've, and people are wise to that. 
I think. So pe- people see see that for what it is when it's you know just somebody getting a rubber stamp on something. So it's much more about genuinely looking for that engagement, that participation. And again, it's much harder to do. You know, that that takes a lot more effort. It takes a lot more resources um, to get people involved. But I think the payoff is that you get that genuine buy-in from from the communities that you want to represent. Mm. Um, Now, of course, we've been talking quite a bit about um, local government. And next year, we will be seeing uh, local elections in England and Wales and obviously uh, elections in uh, Scotland and assembly elections in Wales as well. Uh, If you are elected leader of the Green Party in England and Wales, what will be your uh, main focus during these elections? What will you see as particular areas that you want to target in terms of presentation and that kind of thing? So we've got um, a system that works very well at a local level. And in areas like, I mean, again, Solihull is is one of our flagship areas in terms of the uh, um, those local elections. And we're in a position here where we're now looking to um, try to take over, take control of the council. So over the next couple of election cycles, that's the plan. And there's a few other places in the country where we're in a position to do that. I mean, obviously, Brighton have just taken over now um, and they'll be looking to consolidate that position in their, in their next election cycle, which I don't think is next year. Um, so, again, it's um, sort of looking at that on a, an area by area basis. Um, I think when we're talking to people about local politics, their priorities tend to be very different from talking about national politics. And they want somebody who's going to represent those real local interests. So, you know, they're interested in bin collections and potholes and parking. Um, And um, we need to make sure that when we engage with people locally, we are talking about those local priorities. Um, That's not to say that we can't be talking about things like climate change as well, because obviously that's important. And that's something that the policies on a local level have power to influence, because when we look at things like local walking and cycling strategies, for example, um, that are often decided at that uh, local council level, um, that's an area where we can have some really strong input. Um, So, it's sort of balancing that those sort of um, the higher level priorities with the things that uh, are going on in, in the local area as well. And that's something that sort of local parties are best placed to, uh, to lead on. Um, the job of the national party, I think, is to support those regionals and to, uh, uh, to go around and say to them, look, what support do you need? What can we do to help? Um, and in, in terms of messaging, you know, what messaging is going to be helpful coming out from national government to support those local campaigns. So that would be something that I would be looking at. Um, I mean, there's been a lot of talk about um, the the Welsh elections as well. And the uh, we'd, we'd really love to get our first Welsh Assembly member. Um, so that's something that I know is um, an ongoing priority is something that they'll be looking at um, and also I mean there's obviously the, the London elections as well and the mayoral election so those are all things that uh, um, I know that various teams around the country are, are planning for. Uh, we're coming towards the end of the podcast it's been uh, great to speak to you Rosemary and I have one final question. Um, now before um, you entered politics um, something I was, uh, thought was incredible is that you were the first British female fighter to compete in the ultimate fighting championship so um, my question to you uh, in regards to that is 
what was that like as an experience? And was there anything particularly funny from your time uh, in, in, in doing that, an anecdote or, or, or something that just sticks in your mind as a, as a memory? Oh, I've got lots of great stories from, uh, from my career. That could be a whole, whole <laughs> podcast in its own right, really. Um, no, I think it was, um, it was an incredible experience. And I mean, my plan when I first got into mixed martial arts was I was going to have a couple of, uh, couple of fights just to prove to myself that I could do it. Mm. Um, again, martial arts was something I'd done since being a, a kid. I'd got into it for self-defense reasons. I wanted to know that I could look after myself. Mm. And I suppose sort of, I, it just went from one thing to another. Um, and eventually, I, um, well, I wanted to see how far I could take it. I want to see yeah, how good at this can I get um, and I think 2013 was the year that the UFC first had female fights on the card and I'd been told you know throughout my whole career you know everyone had said the UFC will never have women's fights it won't happen it won't happen even the you know the um, uh, CEO saying it'll never happen and um, I always thought that it would happen. Um, I never thought it would happen in time for me to be a part of that. So um, when that opportunity came up in 2013, um, I was sort of just coming towards the end of my career at that point. And I thought, I've got to give this a go because if I don't, I'll always regret not having done it. Mm. Um, so obviously I jumped at that with both hands. And uh and that was, as I say, it was an absolute roller coaster of an experience. It was, uh, um, it was exciting. It was terrifying. It was uh, rewarding. Um, but I think I learned a lot of things from that experience that I think are actually really relevant to politics. Um, and I mean, maybe we can talk about that another day on a yeah. different podcast. Um, but I think one of the things I learned was, you know, sometimes you can look at something and you think, oh, that looks scary. Um, and uh, it's being able to, to do and to sort of to look at the scale of the problem that you're facing and the, the mm. scale of the challenge and then do it anyway. And I think that's something that I definitely, uh, I definitely benefited from my, my time as a mixed martial artist. So um, um, I, still, I haven't come up with any good anecdotes, have I yet? Um, I, as I said, I know there are lots. Um, I'm just trying to think of a of a good one um go with that um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think what's uh, um uh, what's broadcastable as well um <laughs> now there's um as i say it, it was it was a very intense decade of my life um that whole that whole thing um i think it's a um a truly inspirational um, story anyway. And, uh, you know, I think it's something that our listeners will hopefully uh, take away from that, you know, you can uh, do anything that you want to do. Thank you once again for coming on the podcast. Brilliant. Well, great to chat to you. And um, as I say, we can, we can talk about that whole story another time, perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening to the podcast. Don't forget that you can subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean or YouTube. You can follow us at Debated Podcast on Twitter, like us, Debated Podcast on Facebook. And if you want to email us, either about appearing or making a comment or reaction to the episode you've heard or any other episodes, then email us thedebatedpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. I hope you listen to the next one.